goodness me, it's been what, four, five weeks since we've had this type of an episode right here on Bits the Podium on the Inside Line F1 podcast. But here we are again. It feels so good to be back with the race preview. And here's what to expect from this very episode the Spa, or rather the Belgian Grand Prix preview that we've got right here. Firstly, we discuss what are we looking forward to the most in this weekend. Then, of course, what makes Spa so special even after all these years of coming here. Then, a discussion about the McLaren vs. Ferrari fight and why this one could actually be for the podium. Then, of course, we welcome back Sundaram who comes back in with a stats preview. More on Fernando Alonso. And finally, the social media question of the week that we've got here today. Not the WEC, as I mentioned right here. It's the week. Typos happen. Let's, let's not worry about that. Let's get straight into the episode for this episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pits the Podium. Well, hello there, folks. Welcome back in. My name is Samuel Arora, host of the Driving Force on Disney Plus Hotstar. Join, like every single time, by Kunal Shah, who is the ex-marketing head, rather the former marketing head of the Force India Formula 1 team, who now works as a motorsport consultant for the VSport Network. And genuinely, Kunal, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, it's only been four or five weeks, but I missed this a lot. And I'm so glad to be back doing this with you. Absolutely. And I have to start by using the word which we use literally 2,500 <laughs> times each episode. But, you know, it it feels so raw. I don't know if I'm going to say the right things. If we've hit exactly. record, are we getting the right audio and video frames as we need to? Because it's been a good break, of course. It's been a much needed break, given that we're going to have like six races in seven weekends or eight weekends or something like that here on right so it's like boom 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 all the racing that we didn't have in the last three weeks we're gonna have a double dose of that in the coming few weeks but yes it's lovely to be back lovely to be to the spa francorchamps you know uh fantastic circuit and to me this this break i think people sort of over exaggerated the break literally because there was almost no chatter whatsoever no rumors and guys i'm sure you'll remember you know this when we come to the belgian grand prix that's when the whole driver silly season uh gets concluded because you know in 2018 it was ricardo to renault in 2019 it was uh you know ocon to renault hulkenberg not finding a seat and then ghastly alban swa- swap and as we approach this weekend there's Apart from, you know, an expected Fernando Alonso announcement, which we'll speak about later, it's literally been no no rumors that kept us engaged either. Yeah, which I think was a good thing for those like us. We can just take a little bit of time off and focus more on the outside world. But seriously, you're right about that. There was barely anything. I was just scampering about looking on some really good websites on Formula 1, thinking that, uh, will there be something that comes up? No, nothing Nothing as such, nothing on the junior drivers. I think it's mostly because the other championships and other sports took the center stage in that stage. But whatever, Formula One is back. It Kunal, a question that's been running in my mind over the last couple of weeks is, how do we manage with two Max Verstappen home races? Or I was thinking of calling it two <laughs> Dutch Grand Prix in three weekends, but it's not the Dutch Grand Prix, it's the Belgian one. I know somebody will pounce on me if I said that. But again, it's two races out of three where we have a proper orange army and the one race that we don't have an orange army, it's going to be a red one. <laughs> it's craziness. I, I'm, you know, I'm excited to see how, 
how all of this drives into the one thing that I am really oh, looking out yes. for this weekend. And that's literally taking the step into the episode as well. And, you know, typically Samuel and I will come up with, oh, look out for this media fact or this on yeah. track and that driver, that team. But Samuel, I have one pick and nothing else. Mm -hmm. It is watching out for Max Verstappen uh -huh. taking the fight to Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes mm. because... Time is running out. There are 12 races to go. Who knows if we will have 12 races or not, right? And literally speaking, it's it's just about Max turning the momentum in his favor again. We saw in the last couple of races before the summer break, all that stopped was his momentum, right? Mm -hmm. And I would love to see how Max grabs that uh, you know, challenge and then turns the momentum in his favor because he is still in the faster car arguably right he is still the driver in form all that he needs to do is just get a good result in and like christian horner said last race wait for it max the luck has to change and will that luck change this weekend that's what i'm actually going to look out for and you know it's 30 years to michael schumacher's debut this weekend and i remember in 2000 uh you know when michael master car was the faster driver a similar thing happened you know he had a couple of crashes mid-season and suddenly the title battle tilted at that time right mm -hmm. so let's see what happens with the whole Verstappen versus Hamilton battle this weekend you're actually right while thinking of all these points of the preview while thinking of all that's going to happen I forgot the fact which is a bit strange but indicates it was a good break again that Verstappen had crashed out in the last couple of races and that Red Bull actually <laughs> need to get their elbows out but this is fantastic. And it's not just Max. My point to watch out for would be in the other car. Because Sergio Perez, remember, gets a grid penalty for, of course, changing the... I think the gearbox that was that got wrecked in that accident in Hungary. But along with Perez as well, there's Valtteri Bottas dropping down as well. And now these two drivers are under pressure. Reason being, Perez has only won... Well, it's not one only one race. He has won one. But since then, the results have been a bit topsy-turvy, to say the least. And Bottas, of course, is always under pressure at Mercedes. I mean, that's a fact, right? Whenever you've got George Russell in there, that is bound to happen. So, with both these drivers taking grid penalties, there's an air of excitement around what kind of a comeback drive they can put in. And knowing how much closer the midfield teams are as well makes this a little bit special. More on that in a second about why McLaren and Ferrari's fight could be elevated more. And Sundaram is also coming up with a lovely stat about Bottas that will shock you to the core, to be honest. But yes, that's more later on. But about this of Spa, right, Kunal? It's, it's outstanding that at a circuit that has so many chances, we also get to debut one of the more quirky awards that Formula 1 has come up with. It's the Overtake Award. What, what's your take on that now? Well, you know, on one hand, we are praising <laughs> Liberty Media for... <laughs> <laughs> that gives it away. In a way. If you're watching, if you're listening, I can tell you it was the most poker face you've ever seen. That's... <laughs> <laughs> You know, on one hand, we love Liberty Media for the way they've been able to market the sport and, you know, the way they're bringing in newer people. And on that note, just before we recorded this episode, Netflix announced uh, that there will be a season four or Formula One announced that Netflix will have a season four to drive to survive as well. Right. Uh, we also need to applaud Liberty Media finding different ways to monetize the sport. 
right? So in terms of monetization, I think it's a it's a master stroke. I mean, not really. Anyone working in the world of sponsorship would probably be like, let's just name a sponsor or name an award that you know that can be sold to a sponsor. It's just the whole gimmick that goes around it because you know at the moment there is actually a reward for the highest overtaker as well, so to say, which is points, which is where the business <laughs> of Formula One works upon. You know, just that it's not branded as presented by whatever the sponsors presenting the overtake award and yes the overtake award is also slightly not slightly heavily skewed against the lower and the midfield team drivers so all in all if it's to you know get more money to the sport and to sell it to a sponsor so be it you know i i wouldn't really care i'm just glad that there is like an official title that that we will remember over the years for such an award to come and should we be wondering if soon we will have a sponsor presents the FIA Formula One Drivers Championship Award? Oh. I really hope not. Oh, that that time could be coming soon. Thankfully, it's not happened that badly in other sports. But I mean, considering the way we are going, but again, uh, you're so right about it. It's so skewed in terms of smaller teams. But I say, let the smaller teams have something. They barely have anything. I think it'll be good if Kimi Raikkonen or someone. I think it's Sebastian Vettel leading it, isn't it? It's good for Sebastian Vettel if he ends up winning it. But <laughs> Spa is more than just about overtaking. Spa is more about the qualifying lap as well. And I know it's one of the wider circuits on the calendar, but there's a certain charm to it. And now. I know every single podcast or video or any race commentator will tell you this spy special. It's been around for a while. We all know that. But the question we generally have to answer here, Kunal, is that even though Spa has been around for such a while, why does that have, what well, that circuit have, that extraordinary charm? And I think it can be nailed down to the danger of it. We just saw what happened to Jack Aitken, unfortunately, a few weeks ago. We know that Eau Rouge has become easier, Blanchimont has become easier, Pouhon has become easier. But there's this underlying element of danger that once it goes wrong, it can hit you hard physically as well. And I think that still makes Spa one of the more, uh, of the more charming circuits of the modern day, even though it's just become bland. Everyone drives on it. Everyone has watched the race over here, not just in Formula One, but every other category for that matter as well. Oh yeah, you know it's it's to me it is definitely one of the most classic, iconic circuits. It's got corners that I would love to drive racing cars on, you know, on a free day in life, just luxury. I would say <laughs> it's got those long, flat-out sections, corners that just keep going, and above all else, you know, it's got this beautiful scenery around all the mountains and the natural surroundings that it has, you know. So. When the engines are literally running, you can hear them reverberate through the through the hills as well, right? So uh, it's it's a great challenge for the drivers and the teams, as we already know, or if you don't, you're going to hear it all the time through the Grand Prix weekend. It's the longest lap of the season. There are lots of elevation changes, very high G-forces, Eau Rouge, and there's going to be this question, you know, uh, the meme that will come up, that's not Eau Rouge, that's Radillon, and, you know, yeah, yeah. So those things are the typical things to expect. But in reality, one of the key challenges, and Samuel, I'm, I'm glad you pointed out qualifying because mm -hmm. the big thing about qualifying is going to be who's going to give who the toe because the toe right. is going to be a phenomenally powerful uh, advantage to have in qualifying. So expect Bottas to give it to Hamilton, uh, Perez to give it to uh, you know Max Verstappen. Who knows? They might just get all the Alpha Tauri drivers up ahead <laughs> as well to just you know to to have that whole punch through the air for Max Verstappen. You know, so that's of course the qualifying challenge. And the second challenge is you know the opening lap 
we'll see in the race and we've seen opening lap incidents in the last two grand prix right yeah. and it's a long lap so if you have damage on the first corner or on corner uh, you know uh, or at the lecompte corner as they call it right you're going to carry that damage through the whole lap back to this uh, to the pits and that will cost you a lot of time as well so keeping it clean is going to be even more important for the drivers come sunday's race day and you know since we are talking about how iconic the circuit is somel and insight from the mercedes f1 team so the circuit is actually so iconic that this is one of the the few venues where the teams and the engineers actually refer to the turns by their name rather that's than like their it. number that's more like it. it i i hate the idea of calling a turn turn 17 give it some character give it some name what is turn 17 am i going to ever remember turn 17 unless it's something like turn 8 at turkey i won't uh, and and that's not because i mean i'm a geek of motorsport so it's a bit strange whatever it is but yes it's good to see spa being back it's good to see this and you talk about lecom what about last source asking me right and max was tapping about that they've been having a little bit of trouble at that corner over the last few years and max i distinctly remember was it 2018 where he went down the inside of lasos that is where all the problems began for him and eventually ended up crashing yeah. out but it's an outstandingly challenging circuit where everything is all comes together and and i just absolutely love the fact that we coming we are coming back here after the break here and remember three wide at lecom such a sight it's happened i think over the last three four odd years as well so it's it's quite incredible to see what spa is all about It is and you know just one fact from me which really stands out is that 2021 will mark uh, 100 years since Spa actually attempted to have the first race ever. It wasn't a Grand Prix race, it was a car race. It was back in 1921. That was uh you know that was uh uh what do you say uh that that was easy math to mm. do but <laughs> in 1921 they actually organized the race they they didn't host it because they found just one competitor entering oh. uh you know the race so interesting times and then i think it was 1925 when grand prix racing actually started at the spa francorchamps time for a fun nugget here as well i was doing some research on an endurance race on spa when i found out that the casino in the spa francorchamps is genuinely the oldest casino in the world and i'm not kidding and it's seen its fair share of parties with racing drivers and phenomenal figures across the world of motorsport go on till fairly late so if you've got a chance of visiting belgium at that time maybe give that a shot if you've got some spare money in the bank but yes there is that there is this about spa I think we've discussed enough of it because all the commentators and all the TV show hosts and everyone will be talking about the same over the weekend. So, let's move on to something else and let's talk a little bit about the midfield, right? McLaren versus Ferrari. And this time, Kunal, this could genuinely be for a podium slot. We mentioned Bottas has been uh, sent down, Perez has been sent down as well. So, this literally means that say someone like Alonso or so maybe even Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc could have a genuine shot for the podium maybe p3 or p2 as well if things work out that way and then what about daniel ricardo you know with ah. that long expected recovery or long expected settling that we are expecting from daniel ricardo so with uh, you know two of the four front running teams uh, you know uh, botas and perez having penalties uh, it will be exciting to see who can actually capitalize on their misery right and of course 
uh, you know, watching to see how Perez and Potas are even able to make a recovery. And let, let's remember the strategy is fairly open at uh, at Spa. It's easier to overtake as well at Spa. Uh, you know, the DRS is extremely powerful, just like the toe is powerful as well. So it is. Uh, I think it was one of the races a few years ago when Lewis Hamilton actually went from being last two on the podium. Yep. So it is something that's possible, and it'll be the it'll be the battle or the comparison of the number two drivers if they're able to <laughs> go from being at the back of the grid to somewhere on the podium, along with of course the Ferrari and McLaren drivers because McLaren, you know, had 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 a very unfortunate and an unlucky race in Hungary. So can they really bring it back? Is is going to be the challenge because they are certainly the quicker team uh, seemingly right but they have one driver scoring in bulk uh, whereas ferrari have literally both drivers pushing yeah. uh, the envelope forward for them that's exactly what the winners of the pitstop podium grand prix prediction competition said uh, on the special video we recorded with them they said that they expect ferrari to beat mclaren at the end of the year because of just this factor but let me add another element to this drama right we all know that mclaren has struggled in a way in comparison to teams like racing point and the likes at spa because of course they normally had an engine deficit while being with renault and of course with honda but now they've got the best engine on the grid and ferrari apparently have brought in an engine upgrade mid season and now you might be wondering how has that happened the engines are frozen well they are frozen for 2021 you can decide when you want to bring your upgrade in ferrari didn't bring it at the start of the year they are bringing it right now so this means maybe you could see a little more power from ferrari and eventually ferrari versus mclaren both on upgraded engines now maybe they could be fighting for say a position like p3 how exciting is that aspect it literally rekindles memories of the late 2000s except it's not for the race win but it's still it's still something it is and you know uh it's it's just going to be so much more fun like i i remember reading a few tweets of people that uh, you know seeing mclaren and ferrari battle for p3 they're not battling for the, the the lead of the the world championships you know but at the same time it's evoking a lot of nostalgia in people right so yeah. exciting times and uh, uh, you know it's it, like like i said at the start of the season everything is going to happen so quick in the next 7 to 8 weeks the battle for p1 and battle for p3 p1 in the drivers championship p3 in the constructors championship absolutely what we are all going to be glued towards okay here then it's time for the stats preview by sundaram You've been hearing to this and you've been listening to this for a long while now. I don't even need to preview it now. I just have to say it's the stats preview by Sundaram and you know that quality is on the way. So, here we go then. All right, it's time for the second half of the 2021 Formula 1 season and we are at the iconic Belgian Grand Prix. I have to admit there were quite a few interesting stats and numbers for this race, but it was very and it was very very difficult for me to all to crunch it down and pick just a couple for this video. But nevertheless, let's go ahead and do the stats preview of the Belgian Grand Prix. First up, the major milestone going into this race is that it's going to be Daniel Ricciardo's 200th Grand Prix. He's going to be the 20th driver to enter that 200 race club. But more interestingly, he's going to be just the third driver after Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg, Nico Rosberg, to start 200 consecutive races. Now. You're probably wondering where the hell are Fernando Alonso, Sebastian Vettel, and Kimi Raikkonen? Well, Sebastian Vettel, Sebastian Vettel, first of all, didn't start the 2016 Bahrain Grand Prix uh, due to an engine issue. 
Sebastian uh, Fernando Alon- Fernando Alonso didn't uh, he missed a couple of races he he had he missed out an entire season after his first season at Minardi and he missed the 2015 Bahrain Grand Prix after his massive crash in Australia and Kimi Raikkonen as you probably already know he missed a couple of seasons in between because he thought uh, of switching over to rallying and NASCAR for a couple of seasons before he uh, made a comeback later on uh, we have to talk about Mercedes so Spa is a Mercedes favorite track. They have been on a streak of podiums since 2013. But quite interestingly, Valtteri Bottas, who joined this team in 2017, has never been on pole and he's never won and he's never won this race. Um uh, even more surprisingly, he's led only one lap around this track, but that was back in 2014 when he was driving for the Williams team. Talking about the championship rivals for Mercedes, Red Bull don't have they don't have a great record here they last won a race in 2014 uh, at, at this particular track and honda as an engine supplier last uh, won here in 1991 max verstappen he, he's never led a lap over here and his best race finish is third which also happened last year but keep all the numbers aside i think they're going to be performing really really well and they're going to try and take that championship lead back at the end of this race because that's very important for the last 20 years the constructor that's been leading the standings after the belgium grand prix has been winning the title so it's going to be it's high stakes uh, but it's it's very much possible that the championship can still switch around because we have 12 more races to go One person who's had a very unlucky past at the Belgian Grand Prix is Carlos Sainz. He's had just one point in six races over here, three of which were retirements and he couldn't start last year's race due to a late exhaust issue. And I'm keeping a very interesting start start for the for the for the uh, for the end. It's it's a very historic one, historic one. So Jim Clark, uh, the former world champion, he uh, during the 1963 belgian grand prix he started the race from p8 and you know and it was a wet race so starting from p8 he went on to win that race but he lapped everyone on the way except for the person in p2 which was bruce mclaren and he had a winning margin of 4 minutes and 54 seconds over mclaren even more surprisingly he was struggling throughout the race with gearbox issues and had to drive one handed while he kept the other hand engaged on the gear well that was the stats preview of the belgian grand prix i'll catch you guys after the race crazy stat right there bottas has only led one lap one at spa this is and also for williams i sometimes generally don't get how sundram gets these stats it's just outstanding of course <laughs> by the way cheap plug back to the mid season stats review episode that we do uh, that we did right here on the inside line of one podcast and pitch the podium check that out when this one is done if you've got the time of course no pressure no forcing but i think you will have a good time watching that one and speaking of stats i hear you've got something special in the bag gunal well I think I have something silly because uh-huh. I can't do it the way Sundaram does but uh, so we all know by now that Max Verstappen and Red Bull are statistically disadvantaged yeah. whoever is led after Hungary has gone on to win that year's title of course the one you know caveat here is that there is more there are more races post the summer break this season than there were before right but here's also why uh, you know Lewis Hamilton is is got the advantage so to say yeah. from a from a numerological point of view okay uh 
Number of laps of the race in Spa is 44. Uh. Number of gear changes per lap at Spa is 44. Okay, maybe Max tries it in 33. Who knows, you know? <laughs> and Samil, this is probably why the organizers have changed the speed limit around the bell, uh, 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 you know, uh, around the Sanford uh, circuit from 30 to 33. They're trying to get numerology to work in Max's favor as well, right? But there is one thing that goes against Lewis Hamilton this weekend, which is uh, Mercedes are following Netflix. Oh, sorry, Netflix is following Mercedes this weekend because obviously Lewis is up for his 100th Grand Prix win should that come this weekend, lest we forget. So that the ton of Grand Prix wins is what could happen this weekend. Uh, but are they following just Lewis or the entire Mercedes team? Because there's someone in the Mercedes team that is also being followed, not by Netflix, but by, I think, French authorities, isn't it? No no naming. Yeah, we, We're not going to tell who it is. You, yeah, I think you know by this stage. But yeah, following businesses turning out to be a bit of a crazy one in Mercedes. Someone loves to follow around the stocks internally as well. That's what the authorities think. Not me, not my words. Let's see. I hope that everything is okay in that sense between Aston Martin and, and the person we're talking about right here. One very important figure. But yes, enough of that. Uh, let's speak about a really fun part that could change up this weekend and toss it entirely on its head, Kunal. It is possibly going to be wet. Uh, I, I just love the prospect of it. I'll tell you what I'm really looking forward to. Uh -huh. A dry, wet race or a wet, yes. dry race, however you That's see it. Like you know, it. we've not had that since many years. Half of the circuit is dry, half of the circuit is wet. You could be on either set of compounds and depending on, you know, which part of the circuit is wet or dry, you'll have an advantage. I'd love for that to happen. And Spa is actually one of those races where you can have a half wet, half dry circuit. So, Guys, if it is going to rain and you're doing the rain dance, just do half of it. So just half of the circuit <laughs> will probably have. And I'm sure people have probably realized that, you know, the silly quotient after the stats review on this episode has just gone up. But mm. just, you know, happy to be back, like I said, you know, doing this and sharing all the silly passion that we, we have for Formula One. Exactly. Let's see if the tide turns orange right here at Spa. But before we go, here's <laughs> a fun question. It's our social media question of the week. And it comes up by Angry Man E. I hope I pronounced that correctly. But the question is an interesting one, Kunal. I haven't quite told you this before, so this will be a bit crazy. Who needs to pay money for crashing into others? Now, it's genuinely a fun one. I always wondered when I was younger, so who pays? In junior formula, as far as I know, drivers are sometimes ruthless. If you crash into them, they will send the bill back to your place, don't they? But I don't think that's how it works in Formula 1. No, I don't think that's how it works in any motorsport for that matter. You you bang, you pay, literally. Yeah. If it's your car, if you're banged into, it's still your damages that you need to pay for. So it is from the team's crash budgets. Every team keeps a certain money aside for rebuilding their cars and uh, you know spares and so on. So that's where it goes from. I know that with the whole budget cap, there is this chat yes. about, you know, rivals need to pay us for damages they've caused. It's a great argument to have in theory, but I don't think it's practically feasible to do that. So I think it's just better to keep things the way they are. Admit that you are in a sport where there is a danger that you could have both cars being hit, you know, multiple times at a weekend or 23 times a race. You just have to live with that fact. 
reason why it's not see, uh, workable in real life what if Haas makes one tiny breaking error and hits three cars <laughs> are they going to survive no they're not they're going to go into administration <laughs> so just doesn't work that way but I- I've genuinely heard a couple of stories of junior category drivers sending a bill to other drivers as places for hitting them it is just just amazingly silly but that's just the world of motorsport for you folks I hope you enjoyed listening and watching to this episode you know that he will be back on Sunday evening Sunday evening American time, by the way. We'd have gone very late. But yes, we'll be back right here with the Belgian GP review right here on the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch the Podium. You know what to do. Thank you so much for being a part of this, Gunnar. And we shall see you in a bit. <laughs>